So, uh, welcome to the Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 113A, the Gen Con episode. This is where we talk about Gen Con 2018, and I will say, none of us attended, but we were raptly atten- uh, had our rapt attention on social media. Uh, even before I had a podcast, I was always, you know, just sitting around hitting F5 on news websites. I wanted to see the new things. I wanted to read about the new announcements. And boy, was this an interesting con. <laughs> so with me always is Richard and Roy. Hey, everybody. Hello, everybody. I'm Roy. You know, guys, we could go next year. We could even, I, even, I even found out we could do a show there. I saw several people doing podcast shows there. It, yeah, I thought about it. Eddie's uh, not far from here, and I don't know that I want to hang out with 65,000 people, though. So, <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how many people were there this year. And, of course, when we get to the news later, there may be less people there next year, but we'll see. So uh, I think the first thing I had uh, to talk about was Geek and uh, Sundry posted their top five most anticipated RPG releases at uh, Gen Con. And um, just kind of a word about like Geek and Sundry. It's amazing to me because I don't follow any of these guys, like these really big geek type things like uh, Critical Role and all that. I, I don't follow any of those. I don't listen to their podcast or anything like that. But man, are they popular there. They have a huge presence and people are cosplaying as these guys' characters. They're crying when they meet them. It's it's just <laughs> in- interesting to me. Uh, now, yeah. is, uh, is Will Wheaton, is he a, a kind of a founding member of Geek and Sundry? Something <sighs> like that? Seems like it. I, that okay. sounds correct to me. But I think I think it's more people that have become famous are part of it now yeah if you look at like uh the critical role dm his name is matt mercer i think and if 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 you are at all interested in being a dungeon master or a game master it's it worth it's worth it to at least halfway follow him because he just really is amazing i mean he's i would put him up there with with james damato and with uh the guy from Wizards of the Coast, who I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, uh, but those three, I mean, are probably the best dungeon masters around, in my opinion. So he's definitely worth following just for that. I, I don't follow any of them directly, but I follow them sort of secondhand on Reddit, and you're always hearing about things that are going on in Geek and Sundry. But Critical Role, it's definitely worth following Matt Mercer just to see how he dungeon masters. Yeah, it, it was. they had a huge, huge presence there both just in what they had because they had like their own uh, booth at the con as well where they were selling their products and then they did a live show and it was like just it was huge people spent a lot of money to uh, to go there and uh, just just for them so it was just interesting to me as somebody that doesn't follow it you know that doesn't listen to it see how big it was so Anyway, uh, the first thing they had here was the Legend of the Five Rings beginner game. And I'm here to tell you, I didn't really see anybody talking about this one. I've heard people talking about it over the last year or so that it was coming. Maybe not last year, but last few months or whatever. I heard that it was coming. 
um, but I haven't heard, really heard any details about it. In fact, I think we even have mentioned it on our show with no details or anything. Right, and I think what this was, it was like just a quick start guide or, or something like that. It was just a, a little thing that had an introductory adventure and, and you know, some stuff like that. And um, Fantasy Flight had it, and I just don't remember anybody talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I will almost certainly pick this up just because I'm interested in L5R, even though I'm not, I'm not like a big fan, like, you know, I have to get what's coming out, but I am interested and it sounds interesting to me. And if it's an FFG L5R role-playing game, I want to at least try it. And all of their starter sets are so good that it's probably worth getting it. Even if you just want to get the starter set and, you know, Adam, I know you like to read up on the, the, um, history and, and background on all these, it'll probably have some good stuff in there. Yeah, I loved 4th Edition because it, it had fantastic background. They've always had anti- uh, just fantastic writers and stuff. So when it actually comes out to get a full edition, I'll be all over it. Uh, the next one was the Witcher RPG, and this was huge. This sold out pretty quick, and uh, yeah, I know a lot of people that fought really hard to get it. And we're very excited. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know anything uh, about like what it's based on. They said using a variation of the Fusion system, which is originally developed for Cyberpunk 2020, which the same company has it and is going to do Cyberpunk 2074. So, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of that system either. I, I looked it up just out of curiosity, and you know, it's it's. It's hard to tell just from the wiki article how different it is. It's got, you know, some everybody's got stats and primary stats and secondary stats and all that, but I don't know anything about the system, so. Uh, the next one was Masks of Natharlotep. Natharlotep, I think. Yeah. Apparently it's a reprint of a classic leg- campaign. I guess it just brings it up to the current edition for Call of Cthulhu. I uh, can't say I've heard anybody talking about it. I know um, uh, Call of Cthulhu was pretty big there. Chaosium that has it, they had a pretty nice um, booth that they shared with like some kind of like uh, Lovecraft fan group slash historians that were there. And uh, yeah, but I don't remember anybody talking about this one. Yeah, Cthulhu is going to be one of those things that's just sort of always popular. I mean, I, there's always something going on with Cthulhu. There's always games out there for. I've never played Call of Cthulhu RPG myself, but I'm actually about to start probably in about three weeks. So, Well, the good thing about it and why it's so popular is it's public domain. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And there's... I know this one is not FFG, but FFG has a whole system of... Uh, Eldritch Horror and Call of Cthulhu card games and everything, and so yeah, there's there's a lot out there for it, and I guess maybe that's the reason why. I have no idea how that works with intellectual property and public domain. If if you can literally do with anything with it or not, I have no idea. Well, it's it's really popular, and uh, you know, because horror is popular. He was one of the early writers of weird fiction and stuff like that. And uh, it is public domain, so if you wanted to make a Call of Cthulhu video game or board game or card game, you can. You don't. Nobody has the copyright on Cthulhu. I guess you would have to just be careful that you don't accidentally, 
use a character that FFG or somebody created for their thing. But all his stories and characters are all public domain. Okay. Yeah, that's going to happen to Lord of the Rings in my lifetime, maybe. Really? Yeah. It uh, it has supposed to have gone out, gone into public domain several times, uh, and in fact, supposedly that's like one of the reasons why they released the movies because that was like their last cash grab, the last hurrah they the estate could get for money, was because it's it'll it'll head to public domain in the next ten years or something like that. I don't know. Hmm. But Mickey Mouse is supposed to be in public domain now at this point, too, but Disney keeps it out of public domain through legal shenanigans. Yeah. I know Christopher Tolkien it protects the, the Tolkien rights pretty closely, but, again, I'm not, an, I'm not an IP lawyer or anything like that, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't believe us. We're not. Um, the next one was the Warhammer Fantasy and Age of Sigmar thing of Wrath and Glory, Warhammer 40k Wrath and Glory, and Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Uh, eh, I, I didn't, I mean, it's, Fantasy comes from Cubicle 7, and uh, Wrath and Glory comes from um, Ulysses, uh, North America. I didn't hear anybody talking about that at all. And, um, I, I don't know, I guess somebody was super excited and ran in to get it, but, um, uh, yeah. Eh. Yeah, as popular as Warhammer is, I never hear anyone talk about the RPG. I, people played the last edition. I know that locally. Yeah. People, people bought up all the books, and there were a ton of them. They were beautiful. I think FFG did them, and um, yeah, and now it's all something new. So, there you go. Oh, uh, Tolkien will... his All his published works will enter public domain in the UK on uh, tw- in 2044. That's still a while away. Yeah, we got a while. So yeah, there, we could conceivably reboot the whole trilogy and do it. All, yeah, do it again. One more time. Well, he wrote those books as a uh, kind of a mythology for the British Isles. So I mean, it's yeah. you know, once it gets into into the public domain, it's kind of his his wish will kind of come true. It seems like. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, he's been dead since seventy three. Uh, the last thing on this list was Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition. Now, personally, I, I will say I would have been really excited had I been there. I would have sought this one out and got it autographed while I was there. Well, and um, you've said that Vampire's pretty, uh, pretty big where you're at. It was. It was when okay. I was a kid. Um, I'm very curious to see if it's going to, you know pop up again because it's it's been in some pretty crappy editions for i think two or three different editions uh smaller companies have published it and it's i don't know or maybe just the time has passed for it but man if you were a goth kid not saying i was but if you were a goth kid like in the 90s you owned a copy of vampire the masquerade and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it in the show because apparently this edition is controversial and uh, I have some comments on that so <laughs> okay moving on um, this apparently was really big news indie game studios um, let's see indie boards and cards and stronghold games are merging oh really okay yeah I'm not familiar with indie board game 
uh, I'm sorry, indie boards and cards, but I am familiar with Stronghold games. Yes, I'm the exact same way. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Indie board and cards started with Triumphant. Oh, they do Resistance, Coup, um, Aeon's End, and Flashpoint Fire Rescue, which I've actually played this year. And, uh, yeah, Stronghold games. Yeah, they did uh, the Terraforming Mars was the big thing. Yeah, that's yeah. their big one that they've got out right now. And so, yeah, they're also rolling in, like, action phase games as well into this. Uh, I know I've seen some commentary on this that talked about maybe they're trying to form a, a thing to protect themselves so they don't get all sucked up like uh, Asmodee or, you know, whoever buys them or, you know, or sucked up by FFG or, or somebody to, you know, this way, if they kind of form together with this little group of indiness, they kind of keep that. You know, they can be that small. I always think of it as like um, Image Comics. You know, when they broke away and they because they wanted to maintain that that level of indiness and not be like the big bad people. But yeah, maybe that's it. They're they're getting all together to protect themselves. <clears throat> so uh, moving on, I had a couple articles and I'll list them in the show notes here. Just about um, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, fifth edition, and it it's caused some controversy in the sense that people are like, "Whoa, whoa wait, wait a minute, wait a minute! You guys are making this role playing game about vampires, and you're making them evil. What, what are you <laughs> t- what are you talking about, man?" There, you know, why is there all this, you know, sex and, you know, evilness? And they're, they're like, you know, eating babies and stuff. Why is that in there? And I'm like, um, dude, I, you know, read all the books in the 90s. I argue it was always there. You know, I, I don't know kind of like where people are coming from with this romantic idea. Is it Twilight? Is Twilight to blame? Do they, do they, did, Sparkly vampires? Yeah, is, is that what they think this is this is going to be? Well, it probably goes back even further than that. I mean, if you you think back to Buffy and, you know, there was the good vampire, Angel, depending on whether he was Angel or Angelus at the time, but it goes back further than that, I guess, and then you got Spike, so you've got good vampires back yeah, as far as... but it's weird, like, you know, okay, we're, we're coming out with this whole role-playing game, and people are like just shocked that there are there's bad ones, you know. And like this article talks about like, well, essentially, my character, since you know, feeding is is like a almost a sexual thing for him. Um, he is like some kind of a sexual predator or something. Yeah, that's what it says. Yeah. So I, I was giving William all the skills he needed to be a competent sexual predator, and I'm like, well. I mean, I think just because it's there, it doesn't mean you have to do it. But, I mean, the game has always been kind of had sex and stuff, you know, in there. It's always been violent, you know. It's it's not like, um, you know, or maybe it is closer to True Blood than uh, other thing. I, I just thought about that. That's been something kind of recent since there was a previous edition. And uh, people are kind of you know, pushing back against this, or like, Ugh, you know, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't want to be a, you know, a monster that gets sexually excited when they kill people. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I guess I agree, but it, to me, it this is kind of all. It's always been there, and I don't understand why people are surprised. This uh, is for it's... some people. I mean, this is just. There's some people that this just appeals to, so they're going to play it, and they're going to. It's. This is. It feels like satanic panic all over again. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, this isn't Dungeons and Dragons, you know. This and you know, D and D has gotten to be really family friendly. Uh, you know, so is Pathfinder and and most of the other stuff that sits on the shelf with them. This to me, I mean, honestly, this doesn't even sound like Lamentations of the Flame Princess. If you want a you know a hardcore sex and violence RPG, Lamentations of the Flame Princess. That's that's what you want to go for. This doesn't this isn't even that close to it in my opinion. It just seems to be like something in between, but. It was controversial, and I still I'm gonna pick up the book. I guess since there's no chance of me getting anything signed or anything, I guess I'll just grab the uh, PDF when it when it uh, comes out and save my shelf space. Yeah, I, it, it's hard for me to really comment on it because I I know very little about Van, Vampire the Masquerade in general or the RPG specifically. I guess to me the Anytime you play any RPG at all, though, it just comes down to the players because you can have a group of players that are playing absolutely terrible, total evil party, and all of the players can just be having fun together. Or you can have, you know, RPGs are the perfect example of one bad apple just ruins everything. With RPGs more than anything else, I would rather not play and play a bad game so there's there's been groups that i've left groups we've kicked guys out of groups we've there's been groups i've walked away from because of really one bad player you know so i guess all i would say with this is if it is if there are things like this that are explicitly listed in the rules you're going to have to be that much more careful in picking your group if that's not what you want that's true. And I think you, every game session is going to have to have a, well, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, like fetishes. you got to say, well, okay, this is kind of what yeah, we're Yeah, you got to have a safe word or something, yeah. Yes. So you have to, like, plan the scene, and then at the end you have to debrief it. So I, it's, it really falls on, the, on the, the players and the game master to make it um, so that everybody's comfortable and then in the end and that everybody gets what they want out of it. So yeah. you have to kind of scale it based on, um, you know, how how much violence, how much evilness do we want in this? And that's, roll that's from there. A, that's a really good point. You know, that, that yeah, you said it. So it, everybody it, has to be on the same page. Yeah. So if you want to dial down the sexiness or the violence or the evil or whatever into it, you absolutely can. It's just going to come up to mm-hmm. to your your group. So I guess there's no real reason it, to complain about it because I mean it's a role playing game. It's going to be what you make of it and it's just going to mm-hmm. be on you to find the group. So and well, I think at the end of it you, you have to really have to debrief each session and say okay, was everybody cool with this? Nobody got uncomfortable or anything. Yeah, where you're going to see legitimate complaints, though, is you're going to see someone say, you know, I went into my friendly local gaming store, uh, we had an RPG meetup to play this game, and I was really uncomfortable, 
and no one did anything about it. People belittled me and said that, you know, I was stupid for feeling that way or whatever. That's that's going to happen somewhere. Yeah, you're right. You're Damn our sensitivities. Right. but you know again that you know that kind of goes to the store or or whatever you know i mean i don't know it's just it's sort of it's a mature game and yeah yeah Mm -hmm. uh moving on the next thing we had was daggummit is is richard garfield still a thing i mean honestly he's this this article is he's he's got a new card game coming out and it seems like in the past 10, 15 years, they keep trying to make a game bigger than what it is by just putting his name on it. Well, whatever and, it is, this is the thing that I heard more about than anything else yeah. from Gen Con. This so is I what, guess apparently everybody got a free deck when they went to the, uh, the Fantasy Flight thing. Really? And there were people that were trying to buy, I think, I'm not for sure. I can I see know. that. So we all know what we're talking about. We should mention the name of the game. It's called Keyforge, oh. <laughs> and it's a it's yeah. a new card game. Mm-hmm. And the thing that makes that they're tr- touting about this game is that every single deck is going to be unique, and no one knows how it's going to work. <laughs> huh. But it's a CCG, correct? A collectible card game. Yeah. So I've seen. When they say every deck is going to be unique, I've seen people speculating about how it's going to work, whether it's going to be, you know, some sort of numbering system or pattern on the back of the cards or or what. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things that's interesting because it doesn't make sense. And once we get some more information, either people are going to say this is really cool or they're going to say that's really stupid and what was all the hype about it's but right now there everybody's talking about it, which is exactly what you want. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm reading the article, and you'll see this in the show notes. It says um, it is a full play experience. Each deck is a full play experience with a deck that cannot be altered, meaning it's ready to play out of the box. Not only does this remove the need for deck building or boosters, it also creates a form of gameplay with innovative mechanics that challenges you to use every card in your deck to try to find the, the best combo. The interview I read with him talked about um, he wanted to bring card gaming back to like the way it was in the early 90s or mid-90s uh, when Magic first came out, when there was no internet, really, that you could not go online and go, well, what's a really good deck? Oh, this is it? So um, let me go buy up all these cards, and now I have an awesome deck. It was instead you had to do with what you had and try to try to make it yeah and i like that idea i mean people make fun of of net deckers you know they say well uh what deck won the last tournament let me go buy all those cards and play that deck so there's a lot of people that do that and it's it's not just in card games they do it in in x-wing and legion and yeah exactly they do it and and all those games so but it's nice to see depending on how it works if there's something that you can open up and actually use it makes it more skill based hopefully i'm i'm looking at the components and there's a lot of fiddly bits there's tokens (laughs) and shit i don't know what that means uh i don't know it seems like when things get more complicated than magic i'm like yeah i don't know 
I don't know. I played a little bit of Star Wars Destiny, and that's got you know like the 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 dice and the cards together that I thought worked well together. So we'll see. So this, regardless, this is going to be a big thing. I did see people making jokes. Are y'all familiar with Card Hala at at Gen Con? Yeah. Uh huh. For those of you that don't know, it's essentially <clears throat> people spend like three or four, two or three days building um, card castles, and you're building them out of old CCGs. Huh. Like when when I was there, I think it was primarily uh, the old Mech Warrior game was was the primary one and I there was like the old Star Trek the next generation one anyway the joke at this this year's Gen Con was next uh, a year from now they'll all be um these key forge cards that's harsh i know it is <laughs> to yeah it's harsh but <laughs> so uh moving on um the next thing i heard about um and saw some great pictures and i tweeted some of these pictures out um, the Grizzled Armistice Edition. And apparently this is a new edition of a game called uh, The Grizzled. And it, I, what was drawn, I was drawn to it is the miniatures it comes with. Are you guys familiar with this one at all? No. Uh, this is, let's see, who, who puts this out? Uh, oh, it's cool mini or not. So, ah, there you go. Uh, why wasn't it kickstarted? Is it a Kickstarter? Yeah. Pick a fight, no. man. Don't pick a fight. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, uh, so, looking at the Grizzled, uh, it's uh, yeah, and Cool Mini or not has a huge presence at Gen Con. A huge, huge booth and a huge presence. Um, this is takes place during it's survival. It's a co-op survival game in the trenches of World War One, where the players win or lose together. So it seems pretty neat. Uh, it's it's won um, at Spiels de Jars, uh, Meeple's Choice winner, Golden Geek, most innovative. Uh, it's cooperative play, hand management, press your luck, and variable player powers is it. And so, yeah, I just like the theme of it because they look like um, French soldiers in the graves. The, and, um, the yeah. figures are a little cartoony looking. Yeah, but I think they match the artwork fine. of it. Um and if they come painted like that, I'm, you know, I think that's really neat. And um, yeah. I'd, I'd march those little guys around there. So I just thought it was cool. I didn't really hear anybody talking about it, but it, it attracted my attention. So uh, next thing we had, um, Steamforge Games, the company that uh, makes Guild Ball, is coming out with a Horizon Zero Dawn board game. And if you guys play video games, if you're listening to me and you play video games, I highly recommend Horizon Zero Dawn. I thought it was a really original idea where it's a post-apocalyptic Earth and you're a primitive tribe member and the things that are causing you grief are these giant, like, robot dinosaurs and stuff. Most of the larger animal life are now robots. And so, um, yeah, it's you're trying to make your way through that. And so this, uh, the figures they showed for it are really, really cool. I kind of yeah. wish it was a miniature game, but no, it's a board game with miniatures. So we'll yeah, see that, how that goes. Yeah, that cat or whatever it is looks pretty darn awesome. Yeah, and they had looks one like of I'm, the... I'm sorry, go ahead. The, uh, they, they had one of the bigger ones, too. That's what you see, and I'll, I'll link in the show notes, but um, I saw people taking pictures of one of the, the bigger flying ones that were really cool. 
So oh. yeah, all these figures are are going to be cool. The just the whole uh, robots that were in the game look really neat, and they're mm-hmm. going to transport pretty well to this, I think. Although I have no idea what this game is going to be about. It could just be you know, I don't know, crappy resource management or something. <laughs> Gathering the leaves. Yeah, gathering the leaves. <laughs> it's a reskinned Catan or a yeah. Ticket to Ride. <laughs> hey, I played Ticket to Ride a couple days ago, <laughs> and I think my daughter's out there playing it right now. <laughs> uh, I have a friend that's a real big um, train game enthusiast. I, I wonder how he feels about Ticket to Ride. I know he's, he's big on the 18xx games. But... There's a little bit of a difference between 18xx and Ticket to Ride. <laughs> right. Uh, um, I, oh, the the next thing we had is really big freaking news. Uh, you know, X-Wing 2nd Edition came out. Well, for X-Wing and Star Wars Legion, they are going to bring the Clone Wars into it next year. Yes. Well, I'm interesting. Super, I'm super excited because, honestly... I think there's more material for them, like more different troop types, figures, ships, everything, than there is in the original trilogy. Absolutely. Uh, Here comes the Gungan army. Especially if you're talking about ground battles. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about playing the Gungans. Yes, you'll play those in Legion. (laughs) You can have Jar Jar as as a general. Oh, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm, I'm super excited, man. I think that would just be, like, super awesome to do that i hope armada gets some love oh yeah speaking of I mean, it did give were... some i mean it's got yeah. a ship that can't fit in my front door i know they, <laughs> they have a dadgum superstar destroyer it's like yeah. two feet long <laughs> for wow. armada and it's 200 bucks retail <laughs> and i'll have, I'll have that yeah. picture in the show notes. it's gorgeous and uh i was like man that's awesome man i want to play that i'll pick it up when it drops to like a hundred of like miniature markets deal of the day yeah, or something. Yeah, deal of the day. There you go. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I won't even play it. the game. I'll just put it on my desk at work. I know because it's a <laughs> real cool model. I mean, because that's the other thing. You'll have to play it in some kind of thing, you know, special whatever to be able to do it. That's like you know all those great big ships for uh, X-wing. I think they're super cool. They're in scale, but nobody plays with them. Yeah, it's just yeah. a display piece. Yeah, and they're yeah, but people buy them to get those cards. But you know, whatever. Yeah, there's uh, one. I think it's like the big Rebel transport that people buy. I think just to get like C3PO. Yeah. Oh. Um. Uh, in other Star Wars news, uh, the Wookies are coming to Legion. Chewie Yay, and the Wookies. The Wookies. <laughs> I, I said. I said. So I got to put up or shut up now. So I, I've, I, I have a bunch of 40, or I had a bunch of 40K stuff, and I put an ad on Craigslist, and it's all gone. There you go. So I had to justify to the wife clearing out space to get into Star Wars Legion. Yeah, and uh, from what we've seen of the cards, Chewie and the Wookiees look like they're going to be really good, too, especially yeah. Chewie. He's got a special ability that if you've got Chewie and Han out there together, those guys are going to be just amazing. So I think you're going to see, once Chewie and Han are both out, I think that's going to be the Rebel meta for a while because okay. Chewie and Han are going to look really good on the board together. So now, with Chewie being an operative, what does the operative mean? So an operative, it's hard to say because we don't officially have any yet. We've got well, Boba, Boba Fett announced. Too, right? Okay. right, but he's announced, but he hasn't been released. 
Okay. So, and Chewie is the other operative. Again, again announcement not released. So they're basically commanders, but they're kind of commanders light. So they fit in that same sort of slot as Luke and Leia and Veers and Vader, um, but they function a little bit differently. I'm not sure yet how different they're going to be. It looks like they still have command cards. Um, I'm guessing that maybe one thing about Chewie that we do know is that once he takes a certain number of wounds, he gets basically infinite courage, kind of like Vader does. One of the mechanisms in the game is that the troops that are nearby their commanders get their commander's courage, which is nice for if Vader's on the board, you can't scare his stormtroopers off the field. But then if you're playing, you know, with Leia, she doesn't have as much courage and you can actually get her rebel troops to run away. With Chewie's an operative, I don't know if they're going to be able to use his infinite courage or not. We'll have to see. Ah, I just like the idea of having an army of Wookiees. Oh, yeah, definitely. And yeah. They're, they're going to be super powerful in melee. And it looks okay, like they're going yeah. to have pretty good mobility. So, yeah, I will definitely be um, – I'm, I'm going to be getting Han when he comes out. I'm looking forward to the, the rebel uh, – the special forces guys, or I can't remember what they're called, special operatives or something, but Chewie and the Wookiees definitely look good. Okay. There's a lot of good stuff coming up for Legion. They're really expanding the game quickly. They've got emplaced guns that are going to be coming out soon, and um, it's nice because the more variety, the more obviously you'll see different things on the board, and it's not you. You don't want you don't want this the game to just look the same every time. So that's changing rapidly. All right. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I expect them to be really good in close combat. Yeah, and then, like you said, uh, we're also going to be getting uh, Clone Wars for Legion as well. Yeah, I I want the droid army. I want to do that yep. more than anything. Yeah, that would be interesting. Droid army would be great. And I, and I wonder if they do it where it's it's cheaper, but the actual number of troops are bigger. Like you know, a rebel squad instead of five guys you get maybe eight or ten droids or something i don't know the other thing i'm wondering is i wonder if they're going to put out a new starter box with um republic and separatist i wouldn't be surprised to see oh, that, yeah. that next year yeah man so is there going to be a cross compatibility between i mean i'm sure you could play a play a droid army against uh stormtroopers or something right yeah i would think so okay i think they're going to be full, fully compatible, all four factions. The, mm-hmm. orig- the original iteration of the Star Wars miniature game, when it was a collectible miniatures game, um, I'm sorry, the, the first plastic, in- yeah. Anyway, not the original original, but yeah, what we had about ten years ago, uh, it was, they were just factions, and you could play them against each other, which I thought it was weird, because like five years ago or so, they did a basically kind of an Armada slash X-Wing game, and I thought it was weird that like you, they only had like light and dark side, so you could, your light army have like all this like Clone War stuff in it alongside your X wings. It really didn't make any sense to me, but <laughs> anyway, that's what they did then. So uh, moving on, I was super super duper excited to hear this because we were just talking about this an episode or two ago. Um, the Dark Tower game from Mattel, and they are re-releasing it. The people, the guy that uh, designed Gloomhaven, and re- of course Restoration Games is going to do this. And Dad Gummit, they're going to do a Kickstarter. And, uh, I don't know. We'll see. 
I'm, I'm honestly going to look and see like how much I'm sure Fireball Island is starting to be available in stores. I just kind of want to see like how expensive it is. Will it go on sale? Just to see if it's worth it to me to uh, back this on Kickstarter because I'm it it'll get funded. Uh, so many people like me grew up knowing someone who had it and uh, just remembering it. And I mean, I never even played it, but it just stuck out my in my memory as this fantasy game. It was electronic, and that was just really cool. Um, yeah, that's it had a great 1981 commercial with Orson Welles. And uh, over the years, I've tried to pick it up um, on eBay, but uh, I remember it going for like seven, eight hundred dollars. So you know, forget that. Oof. And like I mentioned uh, an episode or two ago, I was like, I don't understand why somebody hasn't redone this because you know people are paying money for it. But uh, yeah, there you go. It'd be Restoration Games. Is gonna do it. Uh, it'll be co-op, and um, the part of the reasons why they announced it so early is they're going to allow for playtesting without uh, worrying about the nature of the product would uh, leak. So yeah, I mean, so if you. That ahead. was my question. Is it literally going to be the same game, or is it going to be updated? Um, no. If they're, they, they, they're playtesting, they, it sounds like they're doing something to it. Yeah, they're they're gonna update it. Because, uh, I mean, it honestly, if I went and played it now, given everything I've played, I, I probably wouldn't even have any fun. Right, that's you know, the thing. It, a lot of these games, I mean, nostalgia will make you play it once, but not necessarily buy it. Nostalgia right. will make you hope your friend buys it. Exactly. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> that is a very true statement. Uh, but, yeah, it was neat because it was electronic, you know, because the, the tower did your encounters. It ran the battles. And uh, apparently even haggled with the players in the bazaar through a series of bleeps and flashing LED numbers on the screen. <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to update it somehow. But, yeah, that tower is just this big, nice centerpiece. It was 10 inches tall, and, yeah, I'm sure they'll do something with that. Because, um, I mean, Fireball Island was pretty simple. It was like a little, it was like a kid kid's game, like for the under 10 set. But I'm sure they have um, upped it to where it's more funner nowadays, you know, for the, the jaded board gaming crowd, I would think. So, yeah, I, and I'm going to follow this pretty close. We'll see. So, um, the next thing, Roy, you had a friend that actually went to Gen Con? Yes, uh, so I talked to, I have a friend, Dana DeVries, and he's a game master. He runs some LARPs down there, and uh, he was uh, one of the game masters for the, I think he was the author of the NASCRAG adventure um, for this year. So I texted him this morning, knowing that we were going to do this uh, this show tonight, and uh, just asked him what his thoughts were about the con, what he had heard about uh, the assault that we're going to talk about later, and... Um, things like that. He said he saw, he didn't really have anything to say about, uh, uh, you know, any of the drama that happened. Um, but he said he saw a lot of influence uh, from Kickstarter and a lot of advertisements saying, hey, you know, we're, we're going to Kickstarter, so watch for our game. Um, that that's, Kickstarter is really, has a pretty heavy presence at the con now for, for game development. So I wonder what a booth costs there. Oh, oh, I know this. I know this. <laughs> uh, and the reason why I know it is because um, somebody posted on Twitter today. He was like, well, I was thinking about going to Gen Con, you know, but uh, a booth 
um, I think it may just go by the table or whatever, is like $1,800. Wow. So that's where I was going with this, Roy, and I don't know if you know this or not, but, I mean, are people going to pay $1,800 just to say, hey, look for our Kickstarter? Well, it's, I think basically what he was saying is that people had printed up cards to just yeah. set around for people to pick up. Um, but, so, like, I think established uh, game uh, publishers will, uh, you know, if they're coming out with a Kickstarter thing, they'll say, well, here's this thing that we have, and we also have this Kickstarter thing, and, you know, you know you want to back this, since you like this game, you're probably going to like this game. Mm. So, that's yeah, that's what uh, I, I took away from him. He also said that the Gen Con is just getting more and more spread out. And so... What is down to Lucas Oil Stadium? I've never even been in there, but it's quite a hike from uh, one end to the other, and it's uh, it's tough to get around now. Um, so, bring your walking shoes and yeah, and everything. Yeah, I've driven uh, past I, it because my family lives in Indiana, but uh, never actually been in there. But it, it's all uh, within the one building, though, right? Well, no. Because I mean, no. it's, I think everything is accessible through skywalks and things. But there's like all the hotels around there. All the ballrooms are are booked for um, for games. They had games on the field at the stadium now, and then in the convention center. So it's it's moved way beyond the the ICC. Yeah, uh, when when I was there last year, it it's a huge hall. It it takes two days to go through the deal room. To, to yeah. honestly go through, like, if you want to actually stop and look at something you find interesting, it takes two days to, yeah. to go through it. Um, I, there really can't see the end. Uh, yeah, uh, there really isn't much open gaming, quote-unquote, because space is at a premium. You can, yeah. Now, you can actually just sit down somewhere that's not in the way and play, but a lot of people are gaming on the floor because the, the, there are no tables. If you go into the actual gaming area, all those tables are taken up, and people are doing demos, uh, special games, tournaments. You know, all you know, all this stuff. And uh, yeah, and if you have to hike from there, which is like the furthest point one way, the 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 gaming, all the way to like Lucas Oil Stadium, it's over a mile. Oh wow! Now you're walking uh, in air conditioning. But, uh, yeah, because you, you, like, go all the way across, you walk past the dealer room, you go back around the corner, and then you actually go underneath the street. You go under this big open tunnel, and you come out in the, uh, in the stadium, but then it takes a bit to actually get down to the field, you know, from there. It's, it's a haul. It yeah. really, really is. Yeah, uh, I attended a, um, a traveler demo. Uh, a roll, roll a character with Mark, what's his name, from Traveler last year, because I, I just thought it would be neat to meet him. Uh, I was disappointed, but yeah, I met him. <laughs> um, so, and I did that on at the Lucas Oil Field, because, I mean, I think that is where uh, True Dungeon is. They had Laser Tag and, you know, a bunch of other shit there, but yeah, it's, it's enormous. It really, really is enormous, and you've got uh, some last year it was 60,000 this year it's probably somewhere between 50 and 60,000 people so there's just people everywhere and in the dealer room it's hot even though they've got the air conditioner cranked 
Um, it's just that many people in there with that much body heat. Um, it's it's yeah, it's just hot, and it's it's hot outside, which it is funny to me. People are like, "Oh my gosh, it's so hot." I'm like, it, "This isn't hot. You should come to Mississippi, <laughs> or or if you really think if you think that's hot, come come to Louisiana." You know, because I I'll just if I'll do back to back cons usually uh, MechaCon in New Orleans where it's hot as the lowest level of hell. Yeah, New Orleans is the only place that's hotter than Mississippi. And then I go up to uh, Indianapolis, and I'm like, eh, this is okay. You know, this uh, people are like, I'm dying. I'm like, no, it's it's not bad. But uh, yeah, it's it's really really big, and it's gonna continue to grow. Uh, the hotel situation is the other thing. It's just ridiculous. You cannot get a close hotel. I was I had yeah. like a twenty twenty five minute Uber ride every day last year. That's and that was saving me like I was spending I don't know like 150 a night for a hotel and Uber both ways would probably cost me about 100 bucks so that's at 250 but otherwise if I had gotten one of those hotels which I didn't even get a chance to because you have to go into a lottery they're like 400 bucks a night yep I think I'm done with Gen Con you're not selling too big. Yeah, well, yeah. Sorry, I, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be talking. I'm, yeah, I'm we're talking up Gen Dice Con. Tower Con. That's where yeah. we're going is Dice Tower Con. Yeah, and I'm going yeah. to keep, uh, I'm keep pushing that. I mean, I was looking at the pictures from the World Board Gaming Classic. That looked a lot more fun to me. I mean, it just it looked like people playing games and not just falling all over each other trying to fit in this building. So, mm-hmm. well, I'm I'm in that vein. I'm going to um, Board Game Geek Con in November. Where's so, that? And that's what. It's in Dallas, okay. and that's what it, it, it's supposed to be, a whole thing. Uh, it was very limited tickets, you know, and they limit the amount of people, and yeah, so we'll we'll just see how that goes. I, I got roped into going, got invited, and decided to go, and yeah. That'll be my first experience where I can actually play whatever. Yeah. So, we'll see. But yeah, Dice Tower Con's in Orlando. My brother lives there, so I can at least have a free place to stay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, moving on, I uh, want to make sure there... Yeah, okay. Um, we're we're about to hit the... Yeah, the big thing, the big controversy at Gen Con this year, a guy was attacked. Now, I will say that. Let's just say a guy was attacked. But, you know, honestly, as big as the con is, as old as it is, and stuff like that, I'm willing to bet people get attacked every year. There was somebody attacked last year and the year before. I mean, bad things happen. There's 60,000 people there. It's just law of averages. Bad things are going to happen. However, what made this, like, hit a local news cycle, at least, um, is the guy that was attacked had a YouTube channel with a lot of viewers. And he managed to stoke the fires and go up there. It's um, Jeremy Hambly from the quartering and honestly i don't really know anything about the guy as much when when all this happened it's like i kind of vaguely heard of him because he criticized gamers gate and anna sarkeesian oh yeah remember anna sarkeesian went there nobody even heard about her because all this was happening yeah i even looked today to see if there was any news about her at all and this weekend and there's nothing at all so apparently it's good, but apparently nothing happened regarding her. Yeah. So this, so, this was the the only thing yeah. that happened. I have a request to listeners. 
don't go to his YouTube channel. Just don't. If you want to know know what's going on with him, you know, go to a third third party source. Because I just I don't want to give him any page views. I don't want to support him in any way. So that's just uh, that's just me. I understand that. I, I'm speaking I for myself. Here. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people uh, talk about that. Uh, this this guy apparently he was a Magic the Gathering YouTuber, and somehow he ended up banned from the game for life for I don't know something he said. He, he was harassing a there was a, a female. Uh, cosplayer that he got all up in her grill about um, she had claimed that she was being harassed and he said well no it's just for your Patreon you're trying to, to pump up your Patreon numbers so you're you're milking us for all you can and um, so how is that any different than, than him getting the crap beat out of him and then now he's he's doing this pearl clutching that he's doing I'm just, I'm not having it. I'm not interested in, in, in hearing any more about this guy after this, after tonight. Yeah, this was, yeah, I, I, he was this and he got banned from Magic Gathering. I had no idea that like this was a thing and it was popular. The fact that like you can be, they're always these white bearded guys and they're, (laughs) I don't know why, I don't know why it is. Is beards popular? Did the beards do it? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you get in front of a camera, uh, a webcam, nine times out of ten, and you kind of just rant and rave for about eight minutes, and you get like six thousand views in the first two hours. So I, I don't understand it, because you know here I am, you know, just trying to get some unboxing video views or, or whatnot, and get some downloads for my podcast. But yeah, I was born to rant and rave. I could do that. Uh, but yeah, I just apparently it's like a whole thing because like in following this, everybody posted their own video talking about you know how horrible this was horrible that it happened to him and blah 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 and this whole thing. But yeah, that's like a whole thing of young guys kind of ranting and raving about Star Wars or, or women or whatever women and Star Wars and you know on YouTube and they get tons of views. I was just surprised. Well- yeah, I don't know. If you're going to be a provocateur, this I think is part of the price of doing business. That, that you're uh, going to provoke some people. Yeah, I've heard people make that argument. And essentially, I guess we haven't actually said what happened. Was uh, Jeremy Hambly was sitting at a bar. This is like the night before Gen Con. I want to say this is like Wednesday night before the con even started. He's sitting at a bar uh, somewhere in Indianapolis. And you can look all this up if you want to, the name of the actual place and whatever. And somebody came up behind him and goes, hey, is your name Jeremy? And he he turns around and says, yes. And then the guy allegedly hit him several times, knocking him to the ground before they were separated. And the guy was angry enough that they were separated that he broke a window at this particular bar. And immediately after that, Jeremy posted a video about this whole thing, and it just kind of took off like wildfire. And this was like this cloud that hung over the convention for the entire convention, the entire thing, because it was all over social media. Every time the official Gen Con uh, uh, social media posted something, Jeremy's fans would comment, like, you know, why haven't you issued a statement? Why haven't you, you know, done this, that, or the other? And their main complaint was 
and this is fuzzy to me. I don't I don't know the facts with this, so I'm just going to say allegedly. Jeremy's fans identified the person who assaulted him. And I don't know how that works. I don't know how that they're 100% sure that this is the guy or if they found him and, you know, and they were just finding pictures of the guy based on his description. He was wearing a four-day Gen Con pass, blah, 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 rainbow shirt. And um, Jeremy goes, yes, that was him in, in looking at him. I don't know. I don't know if that's how it worked or what, but they identified this guy and were demanding. He was a guest, a small guest of the convention, and they were demanding that um, the con throw him out. You know, this guy, throw him out and ban him. They were demanding action. And I, I guess I have to say, from the convention's point of view, if you just came up to me and were like, you know, if I, if I came up to them and, and, was, and was like, hey, Steve Jackson assaulted me. You know, he's here. You need to throw him out. And they're like, what? Uh, what? Where's your proof? Richard Roy saw it happen. They saw they saw him, you know, they saw him beat me up. And, you know, you need to throw him out. I can understand, like, how weird that would be. Like, you know, well, whatever. I don't, yeah, I don't know what to do about that. I, there's no way you can prove that. But then you, uh, there was allegedly a video. I, that's what I understand is in this age of camera phones, nobody filmed it. If I'm sitting there or walking by and there's a fight, I would definitely uh, watch. I would film it. Um, but apparently the bar had security camera. And that's the other thing is these guys were demanding the bar release the, the footage. It's like, hold on, man. You're you're not cops. They're well, not just going to put this out. And also, when did this happen? Friday night? No, this happened it Wednesday. It was like one in the oh, morning. Wednesday. Okay, so it happened. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, it, if... If the guy really did assault someone, it's probably in Gen Con's best interest to say, yeah, you're not welcome back here anymore. But really, it didn't even happen on the premises. It's a police issue. Let the police deal with it. Yeah, that that was, you know, the major thing is like, well, it did not happen on the campus. It's like, I understand this guy, you know, uh, is a guest and, you know, all this stuff. And what what are we going to do about it? You know, what where's your response but there, it didn't happen at the at the con, and then people are trying to like rules lawyer thing of like digging out the bylaws of Gen Con or whatever, where it's like, oh, you look here and paragraph C, section A, it talks about um, you know, your conduct outside and blah blah blah, and I'm like, really? That's what you're trying to do? The devil so can quote could... scripture to his purpose. <laughs> yeah. So people were like, just call the cops, man. And and this is what I don't understand. And to me, it seems like we're not getting the whole story. He said, I called the cops, and they weren't going to do anything. And I was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. So apparently he called the cops a second time. And um, finally they um, did something. There was a police report made. And, oh my gosh, enough with all the daggum uh, keyboard lawyers. It's just, I, they're all like, he should be in jail, you know, he's, he's going to jail, he's going to prison. I'm like, no, he's not. I mean, come on. The best thing you could ever hope for, if this actually goes before a judge, is misdemeanor assault. 
it, it'll get pled down to whatever and and yeah so it's this isn't i mean people were really excited they're like, yeah get this guy in prison blah 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 and then the other thing was they're like well just start concealed carrying they've got a standard ground law in indiana and just shoot him and i'm like well we got stand your ground law here in mississippi which is probably the most liberal um of all gun places you can do you know, I think I'm legally required to have a gun right now on this podcast, but um, I'm disgusted by all of this. And, and what they, what they, you know, they'll tell you in it, with the standard ground law here in Mississippi is you have to honestly believe your your life is in danger, and fists don't count. They don't count. If he had a knife, a bat, a or pipe wrench, something like that, then yes, you can stand your ground. But um, it, you can't just shoot somebody because they're beating your ass. You have to take an ass whipping. That's, that's the, at least that's the way it works here, and I, I imagine it works that way in Indiana. And the other thing is people are like, well, um, why don't, you know, you should carry a gun and just show it to him. I'm like, no, that's called brandishing. That's illegal. That will send you to jail. It's you can get a lot of trouble for that too. So you know, it's uh, just the, the the keyboard lawyers. Ugh. But anyway, regardless, all this happened, and basically what it is, what we've got to now is I don't know if we'll we'll ever hear how the legal thing that, with this. I don't know if we ever will, but there is the potential for a lawsuit, and uh, Jeremy. A friend of his, he says it's not him, he didn't do this, a friend of his, or somebody that knows him, uh, posted a GoFundMe. And as of this podcast, uh, they have uh, raised um, $15,000 for Jeremy. And what this is supposed to be used for is um, to sue him, to sue the guy that uh, attacked him. And I know uh, that's the other thing is when they allegedly identified this guy, they doxed him. You know, he apparently owned a um, a store in Connecticut, and everybody got on Yelp and gave it, you know, one star reviews, you know, and all that stuff. Is that like a thing? Is that you know, is is that what we do in 2018? That happened to the Red Hen. That, yeah, you're right. I guess yeah. I guess you're absolutely right. So that is an established precedent. I guess that is what we do in 2018. Eh, it's just weird. I'm, you know, I feel like I'm too old to do stuff like that, or I don't really understand it. But whatever. But yeah, there's a uh, GoFundMe page, and there you go. And I, I don't know. This made like local news. The Indie Star picked it up, and um, you know, they're they're doing it as like he, Jeremy, was known for conservative views, and you know, and he got att- attacked because of this. Now, I read that article, too, and I think that that, as far as, like, if you want to get kind of an unvarnished um, account of what happened, the Indie Star uh, article is the way to go. Okay, and we'll post that in the show notes. Okay. And, and look, all I, all I want to say out of this is I, I will say, because everybody made this joke to me, so I'm going to make it here, was, like, imagine, like, okay, I'm sitting down outside somewhere at Gen Con, I'm, you know, I'm holding court, I'm talking with, you know, fans, friends, family, whatever, I'm, I'm just sitting there, you know, uh, I'm on my, like, seventh beer, 
It's like 10 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I hear you know from behind me he goes, "Oh, you think I've got money, huh?" And I turn around, and it's Steve Jackson, and he's got a sock full of nickels, and he's just like smashing me with a sock full of nickels. Steve Jackson is beating my ass, and he knocks me down. And then right behind him, the cool mini or not people come up and just kick me while I'm down. I don't want that to happen. You know, no. I want to be able to go and just hang out at, at, at Gen Con. And, you know, I, I say bad things about Kickstarter and stuff like that. Not I, I don't want to be – I don't want somebody to, <laughs> to come after me for that. I don't want Steve Jackson to beat me with a sock full of nickels. And I think I'm going to have to commission that artwork. Now I want it. I want an 8x10 of, like, of Steve Jackson. <laughs> you getting your ass beat by Steve Jackson? No, not my ass beat. He's chasing me. I want to be running oh, okay. away. I'm running away as he chases me with a sock full of nickels. Okay. So, so anyway. So, the other thing that happened at the convention, the freaking president of uh, Gamma was kicked out of Gen Con. Uh, and I, originally, what was funny, it, was, it just popped up as a little rumor on Reddit with, like, no sources for it. Because the guy was like, hey, I saw this. And people were like, I don't know. But, um... As of today, Elio Ku, uh, Gamma president, uh, issues an apology. He is, uh, what is Gamma stands for? It's um, some big to-do uh, gaming game, thing. Game Manufacturers Association. Yeah, yeah, Game Manufacturers Association. So it's a pretty big deal. Um, they revoked his badge and tossed his ass out. Because uh, apparently he was getting really huffy during the the load in of his booth and even got into a physical confrontation on at least one occasion and so they they tossed him so when this happened you know that really fired up the the Jeremy crowd as well cuz they were like well if you're going to do that why can't you toss this guy out but apparently that happened at the show on the floor so that that's going to happen i will say with security being involved uh, Gen Con doesn't have its own security. The security is provided by the convention center. So these are just like regular security guards. You know, I'm just saying they're just not volunteers, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now, I happen to see in kind of in relation to this, I saw in the Gen Con subreddit that uh, there was a woman who had uh, was sexually assaulted on the on the floor. Somebody tried to take a, a upskirt shot. And oh, um, really? Yeah, like two times. And uh, people, there was a guy that was nearby and saw what was going on and said, hey, that guy just tried to take a picture of you. And then he uh, came back and tried to do it again. But oh he God. was detained in the booth by con goers and security came and he's been booted, he's booted from Gen Con for life and from the ICC for like two years. So, I mean, they're, they're trying to do the right thing. Well, that's good. Uh, that is good because, I mean, as, I don't know, how do I phrase this correctly and carefully? Um, cosplays become bigger. Yeah. Female presence has increased in at conventions. And, damn it, for I, I would argue there at least a large percentage of male con-goers are just like barely a step up from cavemen. Yeah. So they have problems with boundaries and stuff like that. I mean, well, you're really, and I don't go even ahead, know that ahead. it's, it's, it's part of it just becomes, you know, the, 
the what's it the the law of large numbers? I mean, if there's yeah. sixty five thousand people there, and one percent of them are weirdos, guess what? You got six hundred and fifty weirdos. That's true. <laughs> I would argue more than one percent. Well, that's my it. point, though. I, I is that it, that's right. a lot of people in a small space, and uh, uh, <laughs> it, it just humans don't do well when they're put together in large numbers. Right. Rats that's in why a box. You see, yeah, you see all this movement toward all these signs and stuff like that for like cosplay is not consent, and you know. And stuff like that, and and people get mad. They're like, "Why is that up?" And I'm like, "Look, dude, it there, it's a problem. I mean, it's it's been a problem for a long time now, um, especially since cosplay has become more of a big deal. It it becomes a problem. Like when my kids started uh, cosplaying, I'm like, "Look, you know, somebody, the polite thing to do is they're supposed to ask before they take your picture, um, but that may not happen." So, but if they want to take a picture with you, don't don't let them put uh, don't let them make you feel uncomfortable. Don't let them like put put their hands on you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable or or whatever. You know, it, this should just be fun, normal, yay kind of thing, not super weird, creepy. So that's just the thing, because I mean I can't imagine. I mean I I, I don't. I, I don't think at any point in my life I've ever, like, put my hands on a girl that I was taking a picture with, you know, like that. It's like, I don't, it's it's just, I don't want to put my arms around your waist or whatever. My standard uh, picture is I should put my hands in my pocket and look sad. That's <laughs> that's become my thing. It's like, well, I'm going to take a picture with you. I'm going to stick my hands in my pockets and just look dejected. That's my, my typical um, mode for life. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that has a thing, and that kind of rolls into the next thing we had. Are you familiar with Contessa? Uh, no. no, I had never heard of her. I saw you posted the link, but I've never – is it, is, it, yeah. is it a person or an or, organization? Organization. Okay. Organization. And um, they're an intersexual organization, intersectional organization uh, that uses the power of positive representation to get more marginalized people into tabletop gaming leadership. So – they're they're kind of you know, uh, uh, they're feminists, they're pro gay, um, uh, uh, just uh, wheelchair accessibility, all this stuff that they're they're known for. You know, it's it's like you know all this good good things that they're doing, and they are this. They said this will be their last Gen Con uh, because of harassment. Uh, there were uh, several of the people they had running games were sexually harassed and groped. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, I, I would hope that we, we've moved past this, you know, we could advance as a species, but no, apparently this is always going to be a problem and, uh, I hate to fucking hear about it, but yeah, it's, it's a thing and I wish it would stop. But yeah, this is another black mark I guess on Gen Con this year you know honestly out of all this thing with the thing with Jeremy I, I kind of wanted to comment like well if all of you don't come next year like you said you would maybe that'll be 10,000 less people there and I can actually get a hotel room and there won't be so many damn people when I'm walking around so <laughs> I don't know it, I could hope there could be something positive there so, uh, moving on, the next thing was, um, there was, uh, Dice Tower is coming to Vegas, baby. 
Do you, do you guys hear that? Dice to- Dice Tower um, oh. show will be yeah. coming to Vegas. I think it's called Dice Tower West. Oh really? And uh, yeah. And I so sorry, is that Dice Tower on... Con? Yeah, Dice Tower Con. Uh, damn it. So yeah, because I put that. I so put they're that gonna have East Con and a West Con. I, I guess so. Hmm. Huh. It's kind of like does it? Okay. Penny Arcade does that, don't they? Don't they have an East and a West? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. There it is, and I'll drop it in the show notes, and we'll we'll have it here. But um, yeah, Dice Tower, Las Vegas. No, Dad Gummit, I'm trying to pull it up, and all I'm getting is they actually reviewed the game Vegas. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like Dice Tower, Dice Tower West or something like that. And um, yeah, hopefully Dice Tower West. Uh, did I get this right? Um, maybe I don't know. But yeah, I saw it, and it's because they used a version of the uh, Vegas sign to announce uh, to announce it. And um, yeah, damn it. Okay, so there's a YouTube. Uh, oh, from, it's formerly from it used to. It, it used to be MeepleCon. That's oh, okay. what it is. It, I understand. It used to be MeepleCon, and now I finally freaking had it, and I dropped it in the show notes. Yeah, it's just just how we do on the podcast. We're very conversational. <laughs> You know, like we're all sitting Super around. professional. Yeah, we're all sitting around, not not getting assaulted and drinking, and then you know we're like, hey, what about that? Well, let me Google that real quick. Let me pull out my phone. So, um, yeah, that's it. It's it's formerly MeepleCon, and um, yeah, so in Vegas. That, yeah, it'd be in Vegas. Oh, so there you go. I mean, there's lots of dice in Vegas. Yeah, and none of them are polyhedral, or very few of them are polyhedral, but. Yeah, that's what I want to. I want a casino game with a D twenty. <laughs> yeah, I got one that's D one hundred. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Um, I, I, sadly, all I have is one Instagram picture of this, but uh, Cowboy Bebop the collectible card game is coming. So I just wanted to mention that. I thought that's kind of neat. I think it's kind of dumb that it's a collectible card game. Because, I mean, it's I know Cowboy Bebop is super popular, but is it popular enough to float its own collectible card game? I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And uh, last thing we had was, I thought this was really cool. This is kind of one of the things I stumbled along, stumbled on uh, looking at the uh, Gen Con hashtag on Twitter is Parse... Parsley? It's parsley. Parsley, sure. Parsley, parsley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is um, a set of uh, role playing. Uh, This is relive the glory days of floppy disk dot matrix printers, 128k RAM, with this collection of party games inspired by the text adventures of the 1980s. As a as the parser, you will take on the role of a computer game with limited vocabulary. One by one, the players will give you commands like go north light lamp, or get sword, which you'll follow to the best of your ability. There's no limit to the number of people that can play, and no limit to the fun you'll have. So what are you waiting for? I thought that would be a fun party game to do. Yeah, this one sounds like a lot of fun. I'm definitely interested in this, but I can't really... It says coming soon. Is this going to be a Kickstarter, or do we know? It was it was for sale at Gen Con. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's out. It was for sale. at the, They were at the Burning Wheel booth. Um, and see, yeah, that's another thing is like, 
uh, people talking about you know the eighteen hundred dollars uh, for a booth table is like I guess what you kind of have to do is you have a friend who has a company that yeah. you know is is going to let you put your stuff on there. Um, yeah, I guess that would be the work for a small thing, or like if there's you and two other small um, publishers would get together and and buy a booth. Because, yeah, I mean, you've got to think uh, booth space plus travel plus hotel room, food, beer, you know, all that stuff. It gets really expensive to go there if you, you know, selling things. That's And then I look at people like Miniature Market or um, War Store that have those huge booths. I can't imagine what that costs. Yeah, and, you know, I, I get Miniature Market mailers and everything. They had obviously lots of specials if you were there as well, which is nice. Um, so I know if you go and they have a huge booth there, they have lots of specials and they, they often have a lot of things that you can only get at the convention as well to try to get people to come. I know they had a really good scratch and dent section. And yeah, it was it was, re- it was really cool. It kept getting filled up every day. <laughs> so I'm like. And I guess I was looking. So you at see a game like, you like, not... and you just kind of punch the box a little bit and look for it the next day. Well, I don't know. I don't know where it came from because I, I was like looking at it, and I'm like, none of these are really scratched or dented. But I'm not going to argue with the price. But whatever. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our supplemental show, one thirteen a. Um, yeah, maybe you know we could continue to do stuff like this. It, it could kind of work. I don't know if I ever see us having the time to do a weekly show and our I'm interested to see like how the next couple of shows go if we don't have interviews how long they are. So regardless, tell me what you think. Chance of gaming at Gmail. Hey um it, real yeah, quick. Uh so I I talked talked earlier about the my friend Dana DeVries that I talked to. Um yes. he uh is with Plaid Chameleon Games. And uh, he ran his 17th consecutive 7th C LARP at Gen Con. And um, so congrats to him. And also he was the author of the NASCRAG adventure, the NASCRAG tournament. NASCRAG ran their 39th consecutive tournament this year. And this is Plaid Chameleon Games. Yes. Right, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see him here on the uh, the Gen Con uh, 2018 events. They've got a Facebook page. Um, yep. Yeah. Looks oh, cool. he's a friend of mine. Is he up there in Michigan? Yes. Uh-huh. Cool. Oh, yeah, that's 7th all I had. C is, yeah, 7th C is something that I've been kind of interested in, but I don't know. A pirate's life is not for me. Yeah? I don't think, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so anyway, uh, okay, and that brings us to the end here. I've been putting up unboxing videos. If you guys have seen those and seen like the, the new member of our podcasting team, I don't think anybody's noticed him yet. So, <laughs> yeah, I saw that you posted. Uh, you said something about making a recording, and I thought maybe you went ahead and recorded this without me. Yeah, no, I, I just did some uh, did some podcast, uh, some unboxing videos last night, and there debuted the new member of the team. What you unbox up there? Uh-oh. Uh oh. I unboxed uh, Cambrai, uh, the MMP game, um, and a couple of Kickstarters. I uh, I got in the 148 tactic came in. I, I unboxed that. Um, Vanguard, 
Vanguard is another one I did, and oh, oh, I just uh, did a thing on uh, the Drowned Earth because my stuff came in for it. So there you go. All on our YouTube channel, which is up and running again. Excellent. So All right. There you go. Yeah. Well, All right. So we'll see you in about a week. All right. We'll go from there. Have a good right. weekend. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone.